creativelyanddeliberately.com, a podcast where we will discuss how to creatively and deliberately make choices that give life meaning. I am your host, Annette Hansen. This podcast will be where I creatively express myself, and I will deliberately acknowledge God in the details of life. My goal is to make this a space where we can creatively show curiosity to others and ourselves as we deliberately act with compassion. Is that easy? No, but definitely worth pursuing. So thanks for joining me. In this episode, we're going to talk about distortions that stem from some of our limiting beliefs. But first, I want to talk to you about my outside door. I live in a beautiful home that my talented husband built for our family. When he installed the back door that leads into the garage through the kitchen, it squeaked pretty loud. He tried to fix it, but it still squeaks to this day. Now, the funny thing about it is that I've gotten used to listen for the squeak. I always know when someone has walked in. It's especially handy when my children come in late at night because my brain detects the squeak like an alarm. Even when they've tried to close the door slower, the squeak is still there. It's become a built-in security system that signals when someone has entered my house. Our home is up for sale right now, so I wonder if the new owners will view it as a security system or just an annoying squeaky door. Too bad our minds didn't make some sort of sound that alarmed us when guests like Assumption come in. We tend to believe that Assumption is a friendly guest that helps us keep our environment safe. But Assumption can distort the truth. One big way that we let Assumption take over is when we slip into mind reading. Can any of us read minds? Some of us might wish we can, but none of us are Superman. Remember, he's a fictional character. Here's what mind reading looks like. It's always a conclusion that someone is reacting negatively to you. So if I was worried about something, say at work, I could easily slip into my mind reading by thinking, my boss doesn't have any respect for me. He doesn't like me. But is that really true? No, it's not. Okay, how would mind reading look in marriage? How about my husband's mad at me, I just know it. Is that true? In this type of relationship, we are closer, but we still assume a lot that is not true. When you think of a negative possibility, the outcome then mirrors the negative thoughts because you'll show up defensively right from the start. An easy solution to this is to ask the other person how they really feel. Can it really be that simple? Yep. Assuming how they feel always leads to misinterpretations because we are not mind readers and never will be. Communication is the guest that we want to visit instead. Another distortion that we let into our homes of our minds is fortune telling. Even though we think life would be better with a crystal ball at our disposal, we aren't fortune tellers. What fortune telling thoughts might look like right before a presentation or say, right before recording a podcast will sound like this. I'll probably blow it. My mind will go blank and I won't know what to say or even what to think. No one will even think that I know what I'm talking about. And then they'll tell their friends to not listen. Fortune telling is always a negative view of the worst case scenarios. Now, I'm really good at thinking the worst case scenarios. 
And it's a nasty habit that goes way back. In fact, I remember right before my high school graduation, I was predicting how I was going to mess up, like choke on my gum, lose my hat, and definitely trip in front of hundreds of people as I walked up to the podium for my diploma. The only thing I did wrong was throw my tassel up with my hat, and then I had to go find it. But none of the catastrophic events I dreamed up happened. And that's usually the case with worst case scenarios. So why do we get ourselves all worked up? Anxiety becomes fortune telling's best friend. Wouldn't you rather show up in life with confidence in your abilities and in yourself? It's a much happier place to be in instead of fretting over what probably won't even come close to happening. If we could have a squeaky door that signaled when these negative guests entered our minds, that would be great. But I guess we'll just have to settle for being aware of their intrusion. See if you can detect when they've come on scene in your life and then do your best to escort them back out the door. Another guest that visits is expectation. Expectation acts like your closest friend, but when their demands are not met, frustration is the result. Measuring whether the expectation is realistic becomes the trick to keeping things friendly for everyone, including yourself. Instead of adopting this mantra, life should be different than it is, we could evaluate if our expectations are serving us as well as those around us. So are you flexible with your expectations? Internal rules will be what your expectations wear. But do others know what those rules are? And are these rules so rigid that no one can meet them, including yourself? If no one knows what these internal rules or expectations are, then of course they won't be met. Defining them will help evaluate if you need to adjust them to more realistic standards. And make sure that you don't marry expectation with mind reading because that won't serve anyone. Their babies will be disappointment and frustration, and boy, can they throw fits. Judgment is another visitor that many of us just move in permanently. Many times, self-righteousness is judgment's middle name. Why not invite in curiosity instead? They produce peace for everyone, which is much easier to live with. Curiosity is non-judgmental and seeks to understand. But the biggest invaders that we don't want welcomed into our homes fall under the name of habitual helplessness. This damaging trio goes by the names of it's all my fault, all is lost, and it's never going to change. All three will create a persona that there is nothing we can do to make things better and we become the victim. They feed off each other, producing hopelessness. If you invite these narrow views into your life, you'll become a prisoner to the mantra that there's nothing I can do about my future, and despair will darken the room. Let me show you how each one is perceived. First, everything becomes personal. It's all your fault that life is the way it is. If you failed, then you are a failure. How can you improve your actions and thoughts if you take everything personally? Improvement doesn't happen in this environment. Remember, you can't hate yourself better. Where there's self-hate, there is no motivation to change. All is lost 
poisons all areas of life. One misstep means that the rest of life will not work out. If there's money problems, then surely the marriage will end, the children will suffer by not having their needs met, and then the house will be lost and there won't be any place to live in, and so on. Everything gets generalized and lumped into despair. The extremes will vary, but it always spirals out of control. Then permanence makes all problems feel, well, permanent. Our problems in life are not a permanent status. When you let helplessness take over your mind, life is worse than the bleakest day. We easily delete facts and confuse ourselves through dark colored glasses. What must be in your vocabulary is this too shall pass. Even if you have to say this too shall pass like a kidney stone to make it feel better, that will work. There will always be obstacles in life. So might as well expect and plan for them. But remember, there's always options to overcoming these obstacles. Having hope is just as necessary in life as having lungs to breathe and kidneys to function. Relying on sources that breed hope, like God, or leaning on family members or friends for support until you can see the light out the window, helps. Knowing that our brain receives a stronger electrical surge when a negative stimulus happens helps us understand that we have to focus in the positives in life. There's a magic ratio for weighing life out, and it's a 5 to 1 ratio. We have five positive feelings or experiences to equalize the magnitude of our built-in negative bias all because we are impulsively wired for survival by way of the amygdala, which is the brain's dispatch for our flight-or-flight response. This specific wiring easily shifts into long-term memory after one painful or negative event to be used for future reference, whereas there has to be closer to five positive emotions and experiences felt before it's transformed from our short term memory into the long-term storage. Dr. Rick Hansen says our negative experiences are like Velcro. They tend to get entangled in our memories without much effort. Whereas our positive memories are treated more like Teflon. Even though our survival needs have changed over time, we are still prone to overestimating threats and underestimating opportunity and resources. That's why gratitude is the perfect solution to our ails. If we can be thankful for all that we have, then we can generate the positives necessary to keep balanced in life. Knowing that we are the ones who determine our futures will aid us in inviting the appropriate mental visitors into the homes of our minds. The beautiful thing about existing is that we all have the will to decide what we want in our lives. We decide what we want out of life, but let's remember that we are then the ones responsible for making it happen. Taking ownership over our thoughts in life will empower us only if we apply the correct principles that foster love and acceptance of ourselves and others. Thanks for joining.
This is creativelyanddeliberately.com. If you like what you hear, leave a review.